So I want to bring in our wonderful guest, Chris Wark. He wrote this wonderful book, Chris Beat Cancer. I, I'm just so interested in his journey, and we are so thrilled to have him on the show today. Hey, Chris. Hi, it's great to be with you. So nice to have you on. First of all, you got diagnosed at age 26, and you had a golf-sized tumor in your colon. Take us back to that time. Tell us a little bit about what's going on in your life. I know you were recently married, and your 11th grade uh, girlfriend, or you met her in, at an 11th grade, right? You guys are friends, and then you became boyfriend-girlfriend in college. Do I have that correct? Yeah, I was a newlywed, and my wife and I had uh, been married for two years, um, but had been together for eight years. And at 26, you know, the last thing you're expecting is a cancer diagnosis. I mean, a couple of years out of college, like just trying to get get some traction in the world. You know what I mean? Like oh, trying to get on my feet, trying to trying to um, just create a life for for myself and for my wife, and uh, was completely derailed by abdominal pain for the better part of a year, and then uh, finally. After a series of doctor's appointments, they recommended I do a colonoscopy, and that's where they found the tumor, golf ball-sized tumor. And uh, from there, it was pretty much just a whirlwind. Um, you know, most cancer patients, when they're diagnosed, uh, are rushed into treatment. They're not told anything, really anything, um, about what to expect, what's gonna, about what's going to happen to them. So, for example, they are, like me, just said, you have, you have cancer, we got to get you into surgery, we got to get this thing out of you before it spreads and kills you, and you're just like, okay, so they're, you know, patients are rushed in out of fear, and that was my story. And from there, uh, I'm in the hospital, they take out the tumor, and the first meal that they served me in the hospital was a sloppy joe completely insane that is just like there's a hospital in hawaii that has a burger king in the basement i'm like what the f is wrong with the system anyway go on yeah well you know i'm laying there i'm on heavy pain medication i haven't eaten in a couple days in the first meal like you know sloppy joe it's like the worst kind of cafeteria food you can even imagine i mean as far as i knew like i didn't even know where to get a sloppy joe they don't serve them in restaurants <laughs> and as far as i knew right. the only place you could get one the military maybe or Right. Uh, if you're in Jail. prison, those are the first two clues I got that there was no nutritional education whatsoever in the medical system. So I've been working in health media for 20 years, and the lack of education in nutrition that doctors get is is just mind-blowing. I mean, it's not anymore because I'm used to it, but I've had many doctors on, on all of the shows I've done actually confess and say, you know what, they don't teach us hardly anything. And this is... So incredibly telling. So I'm so glad that you listened to your gut. You know, you talk about that and that you knew this wasn't right. And one of the fa my favorite things that you say is you say, poisoning my way back to health did not make sense to me. There are 100,000 nutritional science studies published every year. And doctors are not educated in nutritional science. Uh, and the main reason is because the medical industry is largely funded by, and the medical education industry is largely controlled and funded by the pharmaceutical industry. And so what doctors are trained in is anatomy, uh, disease, and drugs that match diseases, right? The latest drugs to treat disease. And they're not trained in diet and lifestyle intervention. And what we know is that most chronic disease is caused by our diet, lifestyle, and environment. In fact, research has shown that up to 90% of cancers are caused by diet, 
lifestyle and environment. I mean, that's crazy, right? Up to 90%. Yeah, so that's most. And what, and what that means is that cancer is not a genetic disease for most people. It's only less than 5% of cancers are genetic. The rest of cancers are as a result, by and large, of our choices. So what, well, what choices are we making that are leading to cancer? Well, number one is, is diet. <laughs> so when you look around the world right. at the, the countries that have the lowest rates of cancer, what you'll find are common threads. And the common threads, doesn't matter which continent you're on, you'll find common threads. And the common threads are they eat a plant-based diet, mostly plants, very little animal food. Okay? They're not pure vegans. They're not, they don't even call themselves vegetarians, but they eat mostly food from the earth. And this is unprocessed food. So there's, they're not eating fast food. They're not eating junk food, not eating processed food. And they're eating very little meat and dairy. And when I say animal food, just any foods from an animal. It's egg, cheese, milk, meat, fish, whatever. So that's clue number one is nutrition. Number two is uh, cultures with low rates of cancer also are, are not sedentary like we are. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, in a in uh, modern uh, wealthy nations, we have a lot of luxuries, and we don't have to work <laughs> and walk <laughs> and ride bikes everywhere, right? We, we right. get to ride in cars and buses and on subways and in airplanes. We work sitting down most of the time. We eat sitting down. We're just always sitting down. And the antidote to that is exercise. Like, the, the most powerful things you can do for yourself cost you very little. Eating more fruits and vegetables, 10 servings a day is the current recommendation for breast cancer prevention. 10 servings a day of fruits and vegetables. And exercising about 20 to 30 minutes a day. Like, this isn't crazy stuff. This is stuff that anybody no, can do. Not. Now, I know your listeners are probably thinking, 10 servings, my gosh, that <laughs> sounds like a lot. It's actually not. A serving of fruits and vegetables is typically about a half a cup or a quarter of a cup cooked. If you eat three meals a day, and those meals are mostly comprised of fruits and vegetables, you're getting 10 servings. And it doesn't leave a whole lot of room for junk, <laughs> right? So That is true. When I was... After I was diagnosed, I had I did a lot of praying, and I just asked God. I said, God, if there's another way, you know, besides chemo, please show me because I just didn't have a good feeling about chemo. I was, I I knew it was toxic. I knew it was poisonous, and I had seen what it had done to people, you know, out there in the world. We've all seen advanced cancer patients, and the cancer industry wants you to believe that cancer, right, is what did this to this person, right? Oh, look at this victim of cancer. No. The chemotherapy and the multiple surgeries and the radiation treatment and all the other drugs that they've been taking, the steroids, the antibiotics, that's what created this person that you're seeing that's so dis- in such a disturbing physical state, right? It wasn't the cancer. It was everything else. And so, yeah, I, I, I was afraid of treatment. I really was. In my, my gut, my instincts are telling me, like, this is not for you. And by the way, I don't tell people not to do chemo or not to do treatment or not to work, work with the doctor. Like, we've all got to make our own decisions in life. And I worked with a medical doctor. But the first doctor I tried to work with told me I was insane for not wanting to do chemotherapy. 
literally said, if you don't do chemo, you're insane. And he used wow. fear to manipulate me into making a, making an appointment to get a port put in to start chemo in, in about four weeks. But I was a lot more fortunate than some patients in the fact that I had four weeks to get my wits about, right? Because in that moment of fear, I was like, okay, I'll do whatever you say. I don't want to die. But after reflecting and praying and reading and researching and soul searching, I realized, <laughs> you know what? There's always chemo, right? right? But what I was most excited about doing was transforming my life because I'd come across information that I'd never, that I understood but had never seen before and never needed. And that was information that was a very clear message, which was if your body created this, your body can heal it. And nutrition helps your body heal disease. And I thought, wow, wait a minute. If I contributed to this disease, maybe I can contribute to health and to healing by my choices. And so I decided to overdose on nutrition. <laughs> and what that looked like was 64 ounces of uh, fresh vegetable juice every day. I drank so much carrot juice, I turned orange. <laughs> I started eating giant bowlfuls of vegetables, giant salads with all the most potent anti-cancer vegetables. So we know now, thank you, science, we know which vegetables have the most potent anti-cancer compounds in them. And that's the allium family and the cruciferous family. So allium is garlic, onions, and leeks. Cruciferous is uh, bok choy, Brussels sprouts. And I was eating two giant meals of all of these vegetables every single day, not to mention spinach and kale and mushrooms and peppers, onions. Well, that was in the allium family. Sprout. <laughs> and Love onions. I, I just got excited. I, I got excited about transforming my transforming my life and overdosing on nutrition. I just thought, this has to help me. There's no way this can hurt me. It can only help. One of the things that struck me is uh, when you were in the waiting room um, to get the port. Oh, no, to agree, excuse me, to see the oncologist. Uh, Jack LaLanne was on one of the morning shows. And I grew up on Jack LaLanne. My mom belonged to a gym called Jack LaLanne. And my mom was a health food nut and her mom was a health food nut. And wow. I just thought that was yeah. that was so telling, right? When you talked about those many miracles and those signs that you felt like you got in that book that a guy sent your dad about raw food and, and seeing these little things along the way and, and listening to your faith and listening to your heart. Oh, thank you. No, I know. And and obviously in, in the book, Chris Beat Cancer, I tell all the details of the story. And there's a lot of cr kind of crazy details in what I call many miracles, like it was really God just reminding me that I was on the right path because when you step outside of conventional medicine or, or do something, something outside of the norm, uh, people think you've lost your mind, right? You right. lose all of your support and you, you find yourself very much alone in the process. And that's really hard psychologically and emotionally to, to feel like nobody supports you, nobody understands you. And, and so I was desperate for those reminders. You know, there were days where my faith was strong and I just like knew, I knew I was on the right path. And then there were other days where I was, you know, just struggling with fear and doubt. And, you know, I, I was desperate for reminders. Like, am I doing the right thing? I, am I getting better? I don't know. What if I die? You know, I mean, these are scary thoughts. And really scary. God is just so faithful. He just, yeah, he just constantly was putting these little signposts in my life, you know, it's kind of like 
if you go if you go hiking, if you've ever been on a hike, there's always a moment in the hike if it's if it's a place you've never hiked before. There's always a moment where you're like, "Are we lost?" <laughs> <laughs> I've been there, <laughs> and and you're right, and and so right. you have no choice but to keep going, and uh, and then uh, eventually you you see a little signpost or a marker or something. You're like, "Okay, I know this. Okay, we're good. This is the way. This is the trail. See, okay, we keep going this way." And so I was getting those little signposts, those little reminders, you know, throughout my healing journey. And they were just so, they were small, but they were also huge to me and because they, they just reminded me I was on the right path. And so I know we don't have much time, but I made, I, what I want your listeners to understand that, that what I did is what is, there's nothing I did that they cannot do. Right, I radically changed my life. I looked at my diet. I transformed it from a standard American processed food, meat, dairy diet to a raw food diet, tons of fruits and vegetables, tons of fresh vegetable juices. I started exercising. I took control of my life and my health. And then I also looked at my, my mental and emotional state. And I realized, you know, I've got a lot of negativity and bitterness and, and critical thinking and, uh, and a bad attitudes that I need to sort out. I need to forgive everyone who's ever hurt me. I don't know where I first had this epiphany, but I, when I realized it, I just knew I had to do it because I kept reading books by cancer survivors and, and alternative or holistic doctors, and healers, and they, they kept pointing back to stress and bitterness and resentment and negative emotions as being root causes of disease. And I just right. thought, yeah, I wow, totally okay, that. I, I, I need to clean house, right? I've, I've got some grudges. I've got some resentments. I've got some unforgiveness. It doesn't matter anymore. All, all I care about is survival. And so I'm willing to forgive everybody, <laughs> okay? Like, <laughs> and so one by one, yeah, one by one, I just started going back through my life, thinking through my life and letting those people come back into my mind, people from the past who had hurt me in, in little ways or big ways. And one by one, I just started forgiving them and saying, God, I forgive them. They're all yours. Like, I'm not going to mm-hmm. carry this anymore. You can deal with them. I release them, right? They're yours. And that's all that forgiveness is. It's just a decision not to hold it against that person anymore, whatever it is. But forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a choice. I definitely made that decision to forgive, uh, and it didn't all happen in one moment. You know, I would just spend time thinking and, and praying and meditating and letting people come back into my mind that had hurt me in my past, and then I would let them go and forgive them. So it's a huge thing. It's so powerful. It costs you nothing, and it can be the difference between health and disease. Uh, my friend Dr. Kelly Turner wrote a book called Radical Remission, and she studied people like oh, me who had a radical mm-hmm. remission against the odds right. for cancer. And one, one thing she found is she found there were nine key factors that they all had in common. And seven of those nine factors were emotional, physical, mental, and not, I mean, excuse me, not physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, psychological, right? Seven of the nine, the two factors that were physical. It makes sense. uh, Diet and supplements. Yeah. So, you know, Kelly, so if, if that's correct, then, you know, somewhere around 70% of health and healing is not what you're eating, right? It's not the supplements or the food. It's what's going on in the inside. And so anyway, forgiveness is one of the biggest things you can do to remove stress 
in, from your life. People say you can't change, but you can. You, you can change, but the only person that can change you is you. And you can't change unless you decide to change. But if you decide to change, then you can completely change. We have a private support group online. I have a coaching program and a book and all this. And so over and over and over, we see people in our private community that have taken these massive steps to change their life that are beating cancer or healing cancer against the odds. And they go back to their doctors, they get the test, they get the scans, and doctors say, wow, you're doing great. This is fantastic. Well, just keep doing what you're doing. That's what we hear over and over and over. Well, keep doing what you're doing. I can't believe it. But your, your, your cancer's gone, your tumor's shrinking, your blood work's improving, your numbers are coming down. You know, just keep doing what you're doing. There, it's, you know, you would think if you were a doctor, you'd be like, what are you doing? Exactly. exactly Mind blowing. I could have such right. a long conversation about the emotional side and all the things you're talking about. The time goes by way too quickly. Tell us all the ways people can find yeah. you and your wonderful work. Thank you. Well, the easiest way is Chris C H R I S B Cancer dot com. Right. Type it in the in the in your browser. Chris Cancer dot com. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram and Twitter and YouTube. So I'm pretty easy to find. Um, but on my site, I have some resources that would be really helpful to, to some of the folks out there. And one of them is I have a downloadable guide called 20 Questions for Your Oncologist. So if you or somebody oh, you care about is going through cancer, like you've got to download this free guide because it will give you questions to ask that you never thought of that will completely change the conversation. And I said this at the beginning of the interview, most patients are rushed in out of fear and they're clueless. They have no idea what's mm. about to happen to them. And if you ask the right questions, then you become informed and empowered and you can make the best decision for you, right? And also you may decide, hey, this, this I don't really like this doctor. If you ask the right questions and your doctor kind of gets snooty with you or turns on you, then it's time to find a new doctor. So that's the best resource that's free. And of course, my book is on Amazon and in, in bookstores, um, pretty much anywhere books are sold, they can find Six Feet Cancer, the book. 